Hello, friends and acquaintances. Welcome back to your favorite podcast about flesh, full body tattoos, and the end of the world. I'm Mark Clearview. Today's Thursday, April 23rd, and you're listening to episode 17 of Quarantine Live. be a very weird episode of quarantine live based on how i'm feeling but let's waste no time and jump into the very funny headlines of today first headline brazil president cheers anti-quarantine protests is it just me or does this sound like the worst cheer squad of all time just one president that is not the dallas cowboys cheer squad thank you very much all i can say is we can take some solace in the fact that these anti-quarantine protests are slowly going to become smaller and smaller because people will die as deaths mount, this is the next headline, by the way, as deaths mount, delivery workers say they're kept in the dark over who's sick. Do you think they're kept in the dark the same way we are over where our package is at this exact moment? Are we talking like UPS in the dark, where we know where it was last scanned, uh, but not where it is right now, or like Purolator in the dark, where it just says your package has probably been shipped? This headline is worded strangely. As deaths mount, delivery workers are kept in the dark over who's sick. Are dead people still ordering packages? I just think the demand for faster delivery surges on as Canadians and Americans everywhere would like to receive their packages while they're still alive. Next headline. The UK has its Prime Minister back, but the crisis is about to get worse. I actually think it should say, because UK has its Prime Minister back, the crisis is about to get worse. Next headline. Michelle Obama Group backs expanding voting options for 2020 amid pandemic. Does that voting option expand to adding Bernie's name back to the ballot, or... Next headline, TikTok reaches 800 million daily users. It has been downloaded over 2 billion times worldwide, and yet somehow I still only have 98 followers. I also feel like I see about 800 million TikToks a day, so I guess this makes a bunch of sense. These are impressive statistics for an app that was named after the sound a clock makes. If I had a nickel for every time one of my friends signed up for an account during the pandemic, China would know the exact number and sell the information back to me for a thousand times more. <laughs> Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the presidential race, if only he focused more on health care. The good news is that both Biden and Bernie have ducked COVID-19 so far. The bad news is only one of them has ducked dementia. And I'm not sure I know which one. And they probably don't either. If only Bernie knew his Feel the Burn slogan was going to be directly related to the sensation in people's lungs and throats at the moment. Next headline, Obama endorses Biden for president. And that's what most Americans also said to voting when their favorite candidate dropped out. Biden? <laughs> that is a stupid, stupid joke. All I can say is that it's amazing what you can accomplish on Metamucil and being creepy alone. And I really do mean being creepy alone. Next headline, coronavirus takes a serious turn in Russia and Putin no longer radiates confidence. Did Putin ever radiate confidence? What do Russia and coronavirus have in common? They are both currently controlling the U.S. economy. Ugandan President Yari Museveni, 75 years old, releases indoor workout video to keep citizens at home. Now this is what I want to see from a president at 75. The last time I made a workout video was... No, I'm just kidding. I've never made a workout video, but the last time I worked out... Hmm. You get the joke? I just want to know why Trump isn't making workout videos. It looks like the last time he worked out was the last time he... worked... Next headline, Trump actually wants to reopen uh, U.S., the U.S., America, and the economy. Something tells me Trump didn't even ask the economy's consent when he asked it to open itself up. I just think he wants to grab it by the pennies. Why is Trump rushing to open up the country anyway? Most of the world is comfortable with it staying closed. Next headline, China is giving cash to car buyers to revive sales crushed by the pandemic. China was like, what, emissions are going down? More cars on the road, that'll do it. Stay at home, but buy a car. Don't go anywhere, but drive while you do it. China should send me cash to revive my broken spirit, which was crushed by the pandemic. China? Hello, China. Next headline. Walmart CEO says we're in the hair color phase of panic buying. I guess people are dying in more ways than one. Hey-oh. Can I get a rim shot? 
They do know that purple hair won't protect them from corona any more than toilet paper will, right? Uh, this is not really a headline, but it says, What happens when pilots don't get their flying hours? Pilots everywhere may lose their licenses if they don't keep flying. And boy, are their arms tired. I don't even know why the fuck I included that. This is the last one. Uh, Airbnb reveals... <laughs> last headline. Airbnb. This is not even a great... We're going... Fuck it. Here we go. Airbnb reveals fleet of online experiences. Great. Now, Airbnb doesn't even need homes to make money. Who the fuck wants to stay in a virtual... I'm not cutting it. Who the fuck wants to stay in a virtual hotel? Oh, that's right. Me in fifth grade playing Habbo Hotel. And those are your headlines for the day. All right, folks, let's get into the numbers before you have any hope left in your bodies. The CDC website says that cases in America are up to 802,583 and deaths are at 45,000. And in the world, we have 2.6 million cases with over 180,000 deaths. And yet some people want open beaches in Florida. And even more shockingly, some people still want to go to Florida. You know, we're in a weird time right now because uh, the feeling that I'm having throughout all this, uh, I, I can't even pinpoint anymore. I don't know if it's anxiety or depression or exactly what. And I feel like I might have been singing a similar tune in the last couple of episodes. But I just wanted to speak openly and honestly for this episode, um, maybe more than I have been. It feels as if I not put on a character, but I do certainly play a character, which is a dialed up version of myself anytime that I'm performing. And I'm, I'm so used to being on stage and getting immediate affirmation for the things that I'm working on, um, and knowing how something worked right in that moment based on the audience's reaction. These days, I find myself shooting a bunch of TikToks to try to stay relevant, and online videos, and it's been about four years since I had a video go mega viral, which was the Pokemon Go Problems video. If you haven't seen it, go search Pokemon Go Problems in YouTube and give me a couple more views. I had about half a million views on YouTube and over 5 million views on Facebook, and it featured me walking around bumping into things around the city when Pokemon Go is uh, a huge thing. And it, it allowed me to get a lot of eyes on all the other content that I had been working on and that I had been proud of. And now we've been working on, Jason and I, with our production company, a lot of new, exciting content that we like, but we just don't have the same follower base, and you can really lose your mind trying to get people to look at things and see things, and most importantly, care about things that you're making. And I would be lying if I said it did, It doesn't get you down, or at least when you're used to being a live performer, and the stage is certainly where you feel the most at home. It can start to feel graining and draining, and another rhyming word. And I guess I'm happy that I have the podcast, but, but even still, <laughs> wow, this is cheery. Um, I think we have 40 people who listen every week. And at least there's 40. So, you know, if I've, if I've made 40 people smile, then I've done my job. But if I could make thousands of people smile, I would have done my job even better. I just, I guess the point is that I share a lot of my successes online. And um, when things go viral or when books are published or when big stunts are taken out or all the amazing places I've been able to perform in New York, but you don't get to see a lot of the failures. And, and rather than posting them, I guess I'll just talk about them. I mean, I've definitely posted the failures. If you go on my TikTok, you'll see a bunch of a bunch of flops. But you start to ask yourself, did I post this thing to go viral? Because if that was the point, maybe I would have written out something that was really just designed to do that. And in today's world, that usually means something controversial and not really of all that much quality or substance. It's just something people are going to fight over, and, and it, it's a platform that encourages you to include spelling mistakes, so people will comment that you made a spelling mistake, and there's all this weird political garbage that goes around with making the videos. So when we make something that we truly think is funny, 
it's just interesting to see that it rarely ever performs. I'm going to take a quick break to drink some water. And this really is water. I don't feel much like drinking these days. I don't feel like drinking days usually. Um, I feel much like drinking these days would be the uh, correct emphasis. What am I trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. I have a lot more going on emotionally and inside my body than creating projects and staying busy with work. And sometimes work and projects can be a great coping mechanism or distraction. But I am currently, I guess, still in the throes and definitely the emotions and feelings and reeling of a breakup. I had a long-term partner of three years whom I loved and still do love very much and made the difficult decision to end the relationship. And we had lived together in two apartments, one in New York and one in Toronto. And uh, having to move out all of your things, and, I, and I'm not trying to blame anybody, including myself, but it, it is a decision that I made, and it's one of those things where like, okay, you made your bed, and, and now you have to lie on it, or in it. <laughs> I just need to voice and talk truthfully about the fact that that is something that I'm going through, and still I'm going through and thought I wasn't going through anymore. I think it's been about six months since the decision. And I've had many beautiful, amazing experiences since then and, and life altering and changing. <laughs> I don't have to say altering and changing. I don't know. I've been trying to live my life um, and stay up to date on projects. And it's even hard to talk about this at this point because it's like, how much are you allowed to say or how much can you say? But I guess the way that I'm feeling is that I thought I did a bunch of processing and you realize a lot of it might have been you distracting yourself or trying to feel certain ways about other things or burying your nose in your work or being in New York and, and going out every night and, and just staying busy. And then when a pandemic like this hits and force, forces everything to slow down or stop, you get to actually realize where you are in your own journey. And I've been having very, very awful, strange dreams for the past couple of weeks and uh, finding it difficult to sleep. And, you know, there's tears and emotions and everything that comes with that and it's interesting to just feel your body process something that you you hadn't properly been processing and when I decided to record the podcast again today I was thinking is this something that I talk about or do I mask it and and with stage work and with comedy you usually leave it at the door or, or you bring it in in a funny way but with the podcast it's interesting because I think the truth sounds the best and is the most interesting and whether it is funny or, you know, immediately relatable to everybody, I don't think it matters as much as being able to relate to somebody speaking their truth. And I just thought maybe if you're going through the same thing or if you're not quite over something from your past, whether it be like three or four years ago, something that you might still be thinking of that has has a hold over you, you just got to feel what you're feeling. Because if you don't process it now, you'll be doing it later in some sort of way, whether it's in your body or subconscious, the same way my body is doing it now. And I don't know if this is a man thing or a me thing or a young person thing, but I, it seems in some breakups, you know, one person does all the hurting and reeling and, and starting to heal. And the other person might think that they're already there. Maybe it's the person who ends it. And then, you know, give it a few months down the road, then one person really starts processing and the other person is probably over it or, or moving on with their lives at this point. And when you're, when you're not matched up with the person that you used to be on the same page with all the time, it becomes even harder to feel the things that you're feeling and give merit to them. But this is me doing that and trying to take responsibility and do that. And um, I'm definitely not perfect. I definitely made a bunch of mistakes, which still weigh on my mind, but that's a good way to 
become a better person and, and take responsibility for your actions and grow. And one of the hardest parts is that I can't speak to this person at this point. It's not somebody who I could reach out to, but then you realize that that might be the best thing at this point also. So there's some ruminations on uh, what's really been on my mind and what I probably couldn't continue on with the podcast if I didn't speak about. And now it's out in the open. It might just have to do with missing people from my past in general, because when all of this starts, you have some people reach out and you reach out to some people and it's, it's nice to have that immediate connection, but then you can't help but look back and think about all the people in your life that you would want to talk to or connect with or get closure with if this was like your last days or if this pandemic was something more uh, immediate or like scarier or worse. Uh, not to say that it isn't, but I think that that feeling it's like that feeling of, you know, if I was in a plane and it was about to go down, what were all the things that I would say or come to terms with myself now that I was forced to and it was my last moment sort of thing, If even though that might be morbid. On a more positive note, we have pitched some series ideas to CBC for the CBC Relief Fund. So we send six ideas off between myself, Jason, and Sura, um, and the director that we work with and that Jason dates. And we're very happy with them, and I just sent all them off, so a little congratulatory cheers to that. That's been a fun and wonderful process. Um, I went to play Frisbee in the park with Jason. I don't know if that's illegal now, or we should have gotten a ticket for that. We went to a park where nobody was around, just behind our house, and tossed a disc back and forth, which was great to get some exercise, and I realized how little exercise I've been getting because I was ready to stop pretty quickly, and my lungs were trying to kill me um i'm working on two new magic shows one with jeevan gandhi my roommate from new york um for a very secret location which probably can't be discussed but that is still being worked on and that they were very interested in before all this happened and then one with um my wonderful friend tansy uh burlesque and magic show for another secret location which that one uh we had a date on the books which unfortunately we were not able to do but as soon as this is over i'm sure i'll be back in new york doing that soon I guess what I'm doing now in conjunction with all of these projects is taking time to focus on me and be alone with me and be in my thoughts and really parse through them as opposed to move on from them. So whether that's writing them out or, you know, poetry or projects like film that do focus on that specific thing, or if it's just sitting there and properly thinking about it, it's, it's such an important thing. It, it might sound so obvious, but it's not to me. I'm dumb. Um, I also watched, um, Jason and I are also on a schedule now. So we have a very strict schedule where we wake up <laughs> very strict, like, like it's strict at all. We wake up uh, at 11 and then by noon we start working, shooting, uh, videos. Um, on Monday we shoot videos, which we release on Thursday. I just realized that I should be scheduling one now to release in the next hour. Excuse me. Uh, you can see how strict it is. And then on the weekends, we take them off and we are doing movie nights. So this past weekend, the two movies we watched were Memento, I think, can't remember, and Seven um, with that guy who we're not supposed to like anymore. Not not supposed to, that we don't, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I, I have no comment, no further comments. Um, we watched those two movies. They're amazing. Brad Pitt's performance in Seven is fantastic. You must, must watch it. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? That's my um, Brad Pitt impression. And then uh, Memento, which is a little fever dream of a movie by Christopher Nolan. You think I did Inception, so it's kind of like that. You should go watch it also. They get, here are the, here are the um, rating systems for me. Seven gets uh, six severed heads out of seven. And Memento gets 
eight out of ten photographs. Now go watch those movies to understand the rating system. Here's what I saw this week. Um, I saw my desk that I was working at. I saw my couch. I saw a Wii Switch. Wii Switch. Nice. Nintendo Switch video game. Super Mario and Luigi that I'm playing with my roommate. That makes me very, very happy. It's a very fun game. He also brought his Nintendo... His, his mother dropped off his Nintendo DS from their old house. And so I've been playing Super Mario Brothers on that as well. Uh, so things are nice and productive. I saw my... The fuck does that say? Blue Ting. Blue Song. Blue Leg. I saw something blue. I saw Pillsbury Baked Goods because Jason and I have been making baked goods. And that's what I saw. Under story time, I have nothing. I also don't have a text from Kara, I don't believe. That was the thing. I just wanted to, like, people were starting to fall apart a little more in quarantine than I once thought. And I can't believe that this is still going. What, have we been inside for, like, a month now? Close to two months? I, I know this has all been happening for, like, close to two months. It's felt real. But I, I, I've been inside for a month. The last time I wasn't in a bar for a month, I was probably six. <laughs> Maybe older. I just work in a lot of bars, you know, and, and I also like to go to them to drink the alcohol substance. And it's amazing that it's been so, so long. I, I really can't believe it. Uh, is there anything I can think of for story time? Let me, I'm looking at, I have a big Houdini poster that I'm looking at right now at my desk. And I just want to, let me just tell you a Houdini story that I really like. So what Houdini would do, I don't know if you know this, is uh, maybe you do or you don't. It doesn't matter. When he would do a water escape or most of his escapes let's say for example the water torture cell or the milk can escape he would get inside whatever thing it was and it would be filled with water and locked up even if it wasn't a water escape it's just, this is how he would perform his escapes a big screen would be put up in front to keep the secret but obviously more and more impossible things would be built around houdini like he had a boiler built and welded around him one time from a boiler company in town you know um boxes that would be coffins that would be nailed shut um, anything like welded, locked, doesn't matter. The whole thing was that Houdini said he could dematerialize and then, you know, appear on the other side of it and, and the thing would still be intact. And it w always was. So we put the screen up and now you could never do something like this, but it would take like 45 minutes. It would be the last thing that he did. And the audience would just sit there for 45 minutes waiting for him to escape. And eventually the room would just come apart because you think of, you know, an audience back in the 20s watching something like this and like just the, they're crawling over each other. They're screaming. They're saying, let him out. And nothing's happening on stage. They're just losing their minds. And the hysteria that goes throughout the crowd is just so wonderful. And Houdini, of course, was out in the first five to 10 minutes. He would literally escape from this thing, sit there on a little chair and read a newspaper as he just heard the audience come apart. And then when he felt, okay, now is the time, he'd put his newspaper away. The curtain would drop and then there would be Houdini. And there's a lot of, there's a book called uh, The Secret Life of Houdini, which makes a very good case that Houdini was a spy because he traveled the world and he went into all these prisons worldwide during the war, World War One, that he would break out of and, you know, meet royalty and important officers in the army. And so they think it was, Houdini was working for the British government as a spy. The story goes that he had the perfect aliases because, you know, one day all these files went missing from uh, from a big safe in some diplomat's home they say you know the only person with knowledge of how to pick this lock or get into the safe is houdini and he has this alias of course it wasn't me i was doing a show that night i was literally on stage at that moment they go right of course and the whole audience was there little did they know the theory goes houdini escapes from the box in the first 10 minutes he leaves the theater 
he goes next door to this diplomat's house. He steals all the files. He comes back. He puts them away. People are still going coming apart in the theater. Stands behind the screen. The screen goes down, and and now he has the perfect alias that he was you know doing his show the whole time. Uh, it's amazing. So that's that's a little story time. Now we're going to jump into my other friends' quarantine stories to see what other people have been up to and who else is going through sad, sad breakups. David Klein says, watch The Jinx on HBO or Crave. We should all do that. He has 14,000 followers on TikTok now. Doug, only only a little something, but I can't tell you yet, I decided. Very exciting, very hopeful. What a tease. Rebecca Smith is going to bring me more beer. Oh, she did bring me more beer. She dropped it off. One second. Wow, you just got to hear something happen live. The excitement is real. This is amazing because Rebecca Smith just dropped off more beer as I was talking about her segment in giving me beer. Literally, that just happened. Literally. Literal time. Not theoretically or figurative. Literal. Um, so now I'm drinking a beer. Mm which is so delicious. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And you know what? I kind of just like want to end here because the place that I started in versus the place that I'm in right now is amazing just because somebody came and dropped off a drink. And it's like, not because it's beer, it's because of the act of sharing and breaking bread or giving beer or having a drink, which we used to value so much, just happened again. And so it's amazing what little things lift your spirits. No act is ever is ever too small to do that. Uh, so thanks so much. And there's a sticker on this beer, which I will end the episode with that I want to read to you. Let's just finish up what everyone else is up to. Oh, Sanjay wanted me to quickly share um, that we had climbed the CN Tower a couple of years ago. And I believe I did it in tw- 18 minutes, either 18 or 20. But like all the stairs up to the top of the CN Tower for the World uh, Wildlife Foundation. We had this chant that we would sing and it was me, Jake, Sanjay, I think Michael mclaren um i think that's what i think um oh yeah phoebe (laughs) my friend phoebe who is this amazing sideshow performer in new york uh we used to perform in the devouring show together before it ended came up to me one day and i would do it i did a uh straight jacket escape in the show and she did sword swallowing she said i i have this idea that i really want to do you tell me if it's possible i want to swallow a cherry and then i want to there's nothing in my mouth and then swallow a sword and then I want to bring out the sword and I want the cherry to be skewered on the sword from my stomach how do I do that of course I'm like I don't know you tell me how to do that and then I figure out and develop a method for her and I'm like I don't know if this is going to work but this is what I think you let me know if it's possible and we do it and it comes out on the tip of the sword and she goes I want it to come out on, on the middle of the sword like it was in the middle of my stomach so we think we go back to the drawing board we do it again and we develop this act that she can do where she swallows a cherry, shows her mouth completely empty, and then eats and then eats a sword and then pulls it out and the cherries on the middle. And it's an it's a date act, like we're on a date having drinks, and I eat glass, I eat the light bulb from the lamp that's on the table, she swallows this cherry. It's this disgusting, amazing type show and act I've always wanted to do. And I have video of it, and we didn't get to do it again because all this is happening, but we will do it again. And I just wanted to talk about it because it's so fucking awesome. Eric, who says haven't had a good wank in a while. Might have it. <laughs> Might give it a go tonight. Otherwise, I'm trying to learn how to play Vienna by Billy Joel on the piano. Amazing. Scott had a quick quarantine story that I wanted to read. Here's a cor- 
Here's a Corona story if you want. Today I was enjoying my protein shake. Last bite I hit something rancid. Don't know if it was an overripe part of the banana, a bad peanut, but something was really off. I had the thought, if I die, it was whatever I just ate, and I'll rest easy. But now I'm making dinner, crack open the mushrooms for the stir fry, and they have these black spots on them I've never seen before. But I didn't notice until they're in the pan. So I keep them there. Now if I get poisoned, I won't know which one it was that killed me, or if it was both, or perhaps started a mutant bug like the coronavirus, and I'm patient zero for a total shitstorm. I likely won't die resting easy, but... <laughs> and he sent me a picture of the mushrooms and the bro- broccoli, which definitely do have black spots on them. Uh, I assume Scott's still alive. Maybe I'll check in on him. And then since we do not have our text from Kara, which we will be back with, I have not read this yet. I'm going to read it for the first time on the air with you. My friend Dana Fradkin sent me this story. Okay, so it was my 30th birthday, which is March 19th. Put it in your calendar, Mark, so next year you won't forget. Just saying. Okay. Anyway, I usually don't advertise my birthday. It's not on Facebook or anything, although I'm advertising it now. Ha. So for my 30th birthday, I told only one person at the job I was working at. You see, my new job was playing a clown in Canadian Opera Company's main stage production of La Boheme. Yep, that's right. Me and another guy. Soir. Quar? A name. A name. Were hired to play clowns on the streets of Paris in this famous opera. I had never seen opera before, knew nothing about it. It was all very exciting and intimidating. So the first day that Soir, I'm going to go Soir, and were to work, all the leads, the chorus members, the children of the super nummery, plus the entire... Let me try that sentence again. So the first day that Soir and I were to work all the leads, the chorus... Here we go. Take three. So the first day that Soir and I were to work... All the leads, the chorus members, the children, and the super nummery, plus the entire production team and other employees of COC, was on my birthday. Sure. We're talking... <laughs> That's a sentence that just gave me a brain hemorrhage. We're talking over 100 people in the Imperial Imperial Oil Rehearsal Hall, and I only told Suarez was my birthday because he was coming to my party later. And let me be clear, the opera would are not into clowns. No one said hi to us. They were not impressed that we were juggling, dancing, and doing flips during Musetta's waltz. Anyway, when break came, the stage managers came out with a delicious-looking cake and started singing Happy Birthday. I was so shocked and so touched, and I just blushed and started crying. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, how did you know, how did you know? Swar, you told everyone you guys are so sweet, etc. I went towards the cake with pride and conviction, only at the last minute for it to land on the table right in front of the lead soprano. And just as they were singing to frederic they noticed my overenthusiasm and excitement and some awkwardly <laughs> threw in and the clown lady happy birthday to you swar was mortified for me the stage managers were mortified for me the lovely lead soprano said um do you want a piece and i was thinking yeah do you mind if i shove the whole cake down my throat and then hide in the bathroom until opening but instead i just said i'm um, sure thanks so yeah embarrassing <laughs> that's the worst that makes me cringe just reading that oh my goodness okay well She's no Kara, but she'll have to do. Thank you, Dana Fratkin. You're amazing. And what a beautiful clown you are. Um, that's it for me for today. I feel a bit better just having talked to all of you who can't talk back and drinking this beer. And uh, on the beer is a sticker that says, we must stand alone to win together. And I think that's a great parting thought for this week's episode of Quarantine Live. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Good night.